3: Hello everyone and welcome to another special edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Today we're talking running back rankings. I'm back with Hassan Rahim and Ben Battle. How's it going, guys?
4: Uh, it's going uh, pretty good. Uh, the NFL draft was was a ton of fun. We just wrapped up the uh, rookie bracket tournament over on Rotaviz.com. So if you guys want to go ahead and check that one out, uh, go right ahead. Uh, what do you think, Blair? We're headed into uh, the off season. Uh, you know, it's a lead up to the season. Actually, uh, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I'm excited. Rookie drafts are starting. I have no idea what I'm doing, but time to uh, time to finally make a decision on these guys, I guess. How's it going, Ben?
2: I'm doing well. Excited for the third iteration of this podcast series, and obviously a lot of exciting stuff happening with the draft closing up yesterday. So. Excited to dive into it.
3: Definitely. I think a lot of what we're going to be discussing today is kind of how the draft affected some of these guys that are on the at the top of most of our running back rankings. Uh, if we're starting at the top, we all have the same two guys, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey ranked one and two. I don't know that there's much to say about those guys. They're pretty much consensus one and two in that order, so we can just skip them. Move on to number three. I have Kamara. You guys both have Ezekiel Elliott. Um, why do you like Zeke more than Kamara, Ben?
2: Well, I have Zeke above Kamara because he's locked into the full workhorse role year after year. I think the Cowboys will re-sign him, whether it's the good move or not. I think they'll do it just because they've made him such a face of... The franchise and lots of their moves are rather irrational from a football standpoint, so I don't really have concerns that they're going to bring him back. I think they believe that he has improved the strength of their offense, yada, yada, yada. And I think that as long as he stays healthy, he'll continue to have this workhorse role year after year. He got involved in the passing game last year um as was kind of anticipated from lots of analysts and that was obviously really good for his fantasy value and i think that will persist uh, we have hassan and i both have kamara at four and like i said my reasoning for that is just that i think zeke is gonna have a higher projection than him for a couple years now hassan what do you think
4: Yeah, I agree. I think you're you're, especially like the point that you made about like his target share. Like that one's the most interesting one to me because like he really saw like this bump in targets that we didn't see from him. He went from being like, you know, two down grinder to just sort of the guy uh, who gets who's actually there, you know, also getting up a whole bunch of targets and receptions, especially when they want to keep the game in the floor when they're leading. Uh what's interesting is that you know there's no one really left now that Rod Smith is gone. Um like that depth chart that RB room is fairly barren, so he should be seeing a lot of opportunity this year, probably for the next couple of years going forward. Uh which you know is why are you low on him blur?
3: Yeah, uh there are a couple of reasons. I guess the main one is I'm not sure how stable his work in the passing game is that's something that kind of, we only saw really to the extent that we saw it in the second half of last year. Um So when you're comparing him with someone like Camara, who's used all the time in the passing game, um, it gives Camara a leg up. I, you know, the, the receiving targets are really valuable in uh PPR, but even in standard, they're more valuable than carry. So, Give the edge to someone who I know is going to get that receiving work in Kamara and even the next two guys on my list I have above Zeke. Um, I mean, just to give some context, before Mark Ingram came back in uh, last year, Kamara scored over 40 fantasy points in three out of four games. So, I mean, the kind of upside he's got in the right situation is just insane. So, uh, I mean... you. Know, it's hard not to <laughs> not to rank him this high, um, and
2: this, but Zeke but Zeke has that load the entire time. I I totally agree that if they didn't sign Latavius and they had nobody ready for that grinder role, that yeah, Kamara would be full rocket boosters ahead. You could potentially put him ahead of McCaffrey even, like if that looked like it would be his role year after year. But I feel like they want to reserve him to the passing game and limit his rush attempts a bit. They they don't want him to have that total alpha running back role in my opinion.
3: Well, it wasn't really until maybe week nine or 10 last year that Zeke started getting, you know, seven, eight, six targets every game before that he has games with only four, one target. So, um, something, you fair. know, it happened after, uh, After the team traded for Amari Cooper, they started throwing the ball a lot more. So, I mean, obviously there's reason to think that this sort of uh, target volume would continue for Zeke. Um, But, yeah, just more confident in Camaras. I mean, the other reason that I have Zeke so low is because it's kind of a, uh, I don't know what to call it, morality discount or something. I just uh, don't (laughs) want to root for the guy, so I rank him low. So I know I'm never going to get him on my team. Um, that's maybe not a good reason, but, uh, yeah, you know, I want fantasy football to be fun and, uh, I don't want to root for Ezekiel Elliott, so he's not on any of my teams.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Who should we talk about next, player?
3: Well, um, we're all kind of high on David Johnson, a lot higher than consensus. Hassan, why don't you give a quick, uh... Quick view on David Johnson's value and why it should be higher than everyone else has him.
4: Yeah, I just don't think that we're higher than everyone else on consensus. I think a lot of people are going to eventually come out of the draft and then just be like, oh, okay, so they got Cliff Kingsbury, they got Kyler Murray as expected. Then they added a couple of like pretty strong receiving weapons. Well, they added Andy Isabella and like Hakeem Butler. Uh, I don't know if Butler's actually like particularly good. I know like a lot of draft Twitter loved this dude coming out, and then they were just left like weeping as he just plummeted to the fourth round. So, so you, you know that that's whatever it is what it is. But like Christian Kirk's there, Larry Fitzgerald is probably dust. So uh, I think it's all wheels up for like David Johnson. The one thing is, so like we're probably going to see him get a lot of work, especially receiving work in that air raid offense. What's interesting to me, though, is <clears throat> we might have seen the best of him, and uh, I think but that, that was
2: that was four hundred fifteen PPR points.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was that was like just uh, it's just impossible to like redo that. Yeah, no, it was twenty sixteen. It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen again. And like he's gonna be twenty nine this year, and so like there's reasons to be pessimistic, but. You know, I mean, there's also good reasons to be optimistic, which sort of expands our rank. Everybody else is sort of eventually be adjusting him up to this top five rank going forward. Uh, but uh, I will say this. Make sure you have Chase Edmonds rostered somewhere because in the event of a DJ injury, Chase Edmonds becomes very exciting.
2: Yeah, I think one thing to note that, yeah, DJ's a little older, but he also might not have as much... Tread on the tires of some of the other um, other backs, like in his situation, at his age. You know, because he only has those two full seasons in that role. So, if you want to look at it like that, um, maybe discount the um, his elevated age a little bit. Uh, and I just think that we kind of saw his floor last year, and this, he still scored as a top ten running back overall. I don't have his points per game on me. At, this very second, but overall he's still ended as a top 10 back. And we, I don't see why he can't totally explode again in an awesome offense that could very well utilize him in the passing game. Like he was used a few years ago when he had an insane 120 targets like that. I just think that we, we saw his floor and his upside is still insane. And I don't think that's accounted for in lots of people's uh, rankings. Really?
3: Just for reference, our Dynasty ADP app, which is not out yet, but is going to be be released soon, hopefully, uh, shows David Johnson at RB12 in Dynasty Leagues so far. So, quite a bit lower than we are on him.
2: Yeah, that's a huge difference.
3: And obviously, after the draft, they added a lot of weapons. Um, his Price I would expect to rise, but still, I think you can you can get him at a little bit of a discount now, so uh, might be a buying window, might be closing.
2: Like, for example, so Blair, tell me why you'd rather their own David Johnson than Melvin Gordon.
3: Yeah, I think the upside is higher on David Johnson for sure. I think he's probably going to end up getting more targets, more passing volume in that offense. Kind of like you said, we've already seen him have just an insane fantasy output, something like 26 fantasy points per game, which um, I don't actually know what Melvin Gordon's highest point per game uh, season is, but it's nowhere near there. So I think it's just a big difference in, in terms of upside.
2: Yeah, so Melvin Gordon's best season was 22 PPR per game last season for reference. And yeah, like that, like, it's just that his outside is just so astronomical, like the level of talent that he has in the passing game can just surpasses all these guys that kind of project similarly, which is why I think he's getting sold short by being ranked behind him. Next, how about we discuss Mr. Todd Gurley and all his knee injuries? So. Blair, you have Gurley at four. I have Gurley all the way at nine. And Hassan, you have him at seven. So I think that puts both Hassan and I lower on Gurley than consensus. And for me, I'm terrified of the guy. I feel really, really badly for him. But arthritis in the knee after um, having the ACL tear, like that's just... Like arthritis doesn't go away like you don't he's not going to like cure it. It'll be there his entire career, really. And I have doubts about whether he'll be able to retain a bell cow level role at any point for the remainder of his career across an entire season, really. So I think it's, you know, the, the guys are ranking this highly in our running back rankings are because they ha- can have this alpha role and we think that they can produce full seasons of ginormous production with their rushing market share and target market share. And i very, very fearful for Gurley's health. I think that picking up Henderson in the second also signals how scared the Rams are, really. with They also... Um, signed brown um so I, I just think that i'm scared of his health and that's that's enough to bump him down for me in dynasty especially since health is so critical for these running backs in general like it yeah <clears throat> hasan are you kind of on the same page as me or do you have different thoughts for why you're a little lower on him
4: no i consensus? think i think you're definitely it- pretty much in line with where we should be uh, one of the one thing that i want to point out that a lot of people <clears throat> aren't getting at least the, as far as the running back position goes is that there's like 40 new rbs that come in like per year and they land on rosters and all you need to do is be healthy and eventually you just overtake someone i mean do you remember jeremy langford he was overtaken by jordan howard who was just then overtaken eventually right like it's just a matter of like uh, how you view these guys a lot of these guys are frankly replacement level-ish talents um well not 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 girly but also (laughs) saying i
3: was gonna say you're not comping girly to jeremy lankford now are you
4: no i'm not but (laughs) no but what i'm saying is is that we should be thinking about this jarell henderson ad as a little bit more than like just a little bit about his knee right like Part of what really has sustained Gurley's fantasy scoring is from a volume perspective. He's uh, single-handedly been the only guy to get that volume, and that's by virtue of his draft slot, and also the fact that their RB room is pretty poor. They had Malcolm Brown, Justin Davis, and John Kelly, who did absolute nothing. So thanks for that. Uh, last year, He's like a wasted fourth-round rookie draft pick, and it's hard to waste fourth-round rookie draft picks. You know, like all these guys were outplayed by street-free agent C.J. Anderson, who's gone. And then the Rams brought back Malcolm Brown. They spent, you know, a pretty good chunk of the salary cap to bring him back. I wouldn't say a lot, but, like, enough for a running back that you take notice. It's who's a backup. And then they went ahead and drafted Darrell Henderson, who was one of the better running backs in this draft class. Does that mean that I think there's going to be, like, a 50-50 split? No. Does that mean that I think there's going to be a 60-40 split? Also, no. But all that needs to happen is that, like, the girly C.J. Anderson usage carries over into this year with Darrell Henderson playing that C.J. Anderson role. And all of a sudden, girly ceiling is just not what it used to be. But be why, why couldn't it be a, I, I
2: agree with everything you just said, but why couldn't it be a 60-40 split, though? I could totally see them <clears throat> saying, all right, the, Todd, this is your new career outlook. Like, we still want you to contribute as much as possible, but realistically, we can't make. we'd rather split you and keep you healthy than give you a bell cow until your knee flares up every couple games and you have to sit i could totally see them doing a 60 40 split something like that like why but not then a
4: lot of that is going to be then like empty volume for terrell henderson and then a girl that gets plenty of the high leverage looks and should still be able to put up a top 12 season like it's not it's not inconceivable that they do that like is not sure. like uh, most of the most of the NFL is trending towards like an RBBC in that in that regard anyway. Right. Like the, uh, it's what comes right, down if, to it. Sorry. But if Gurley
2: is getting the 60 40 split, which,
4: which we both said we thinks in the range of
2: outcomes, he's not a top five running back. Like, sure, maybe. Yeah, no, Borderline he's not RB1. But yeah, so I'm just saying that that goes along with our ranking.
4: Yeah, and then, Blair. So if he gets all those high leverage looks, then he yeah. should be able to fall into the end zone a few times, with justifies the rank.
2: Yeah. Blair, do you have any counterpoints since you have him at four?
3: No, I mean, I definitely see the points you're making, and the, you know, Daryl Henderson drafting in the second is kind of definitely worrisome. I'm kind of thinking of it more as maybe more as insurance than an actual signal that He's not healthy or not able to play. Um, I mean, that said, you know, in my composite rankings on the site, I moved Gurley down below Stefan Diggs. I'm considering swapping Gurley and Johnson, so making him fifth. But, um, yeah, not as low as you guys are, although I agree that there are concerns and the Henderson pick is not not. A good sign. I mean of
2: his voted Darrell Henderson the number one running back in this class. He won our yeah. rookie running back tournament. There's literally in,
3: in this class being the key words there. Yes.
2: <laughs> but regardless, you know, the Rams according to Rodoviz, sure. the Rams took yep, yep. the best running back in the class in the second round, who they traded up for too. So
3: Right. Yeah. Nope, definitely true. I mean, I agree. There are there are some concerns here, and probably it's possible I'm not I'm not giving as much uh, not giving enough weight to those concerns as I probably should be. But it's still, Todd Gurley, we're talking about so you know. Todd
2: Gurley with a heck of a downside. Now
3: that's what it comes down to. Right. I mean, the problem is, who am I going to move up ahead of Gurley? I mean. James Conner has some risks. Dalvin Cook has uh, some risks. Melvin Gordon, we're not sure. So it's kind of
4: yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I don't understand what we're not sure about, like Melvin Gordon. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, like last season, he was in line. Like before getting like hurt in like week six-ish, he was like with the exact same points per game as Gurley through like six weeks. They were the exact same guy. You're right. Like, like, that's that's the way, where I'm not getting it. And, like, a lot of girlies like, girlies receiving production and Gordon's receiving production is, is fairly similar-ish, and so is the red zone equity. So I don't, like, know why. I mean, like, part of the reason we don't really like Melvin Gordon is because he's gotten hurt twice, and I think that that's where, like, the Chargers are going to be, like, looking to scale back his workload this year. But so could the Rams, and if both the Rams and the Chargers hit, hit both players with a... With an equal target, you know, with an equal touch distribution, we already know Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson are fairly okay. We've never seen Gurley have to compete with anyone, even in that caliber. So, I mean, the closest we saw was him being, you know, seeding a lot of work to street free agent CJ Anderson, who the Rams didn't even bother to re extend a contract offer to. They decided to bring Malcolm Brown back.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, Gurley is uh, Not Gurley I'm sorry (laughs) For me Gordon Doesn't have Quite the Well he didn't get The opportunity That Gurley did A lot of the Fantasy points he had Were uh, Based on Efficiency Which um, You know Is good for him But More likely to regress Than I think the opportunity You see with someone like Saquon Or McCaffrey Or Gurley Or those guys So um you know in terms of opportunity i think he's in a tier below those top guys even james Conner had had more expected points total expected points than melvin gordon um is that in the first half of the year though that's per game over the season yeah
2: i think the thing hassan and i believe in is how fantastic melvin was at the start of the year
3: all right what weeks are we talking about uh, one through
4: like six.
3: Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Fire that yeah.
4: up. See what? Yeah,
2: one through six. Let's
3: see. Yeah, I mean, so I have Melvin Gordon with double-digit receiving expected points in those weeks, about nineteen total expected points. You know, comparing that in the same time frame, Gurley had more than twenty-four. Connor had about. 21. Um, Let's see who else. David Johnson had 17, so pretty close. Kamara had 24, basically. So still, I think, not quite in that same tier with the top guys uh, in terms of opportunity. A lot of his points were were from efficiency last year. That's a fair point. I didn't realize that. So I'm a little more worried about whether he'll be able to keep that going into the future. Um, and then the other thing, I guess, maybe I'm a little more of a believer in you know Eckler and even Justin Jackson than maybe you guys are. Uh, the other person who was really good at the beginning of last year, of course, was Eckler. So I think he probably has earned a little more opportunity and might continue to take it from Melvin Gordon.
2: I disagree on Eckler. I think they announced a couple times every time they'd get asked, oh. Great game by Austin Eckler. Are you going to give him more carries every time? He's like, no, this is Eckler's role. He's a <laughs> he's our change of pace guy or whatever. I feel like the coaching staff answered that explicitly. So as much as I kind of wanted that to happen, I'm skeptical that that will change going forward.
3: Fair, but he's still stealing those touches that someone like Gurley in the first half of the year and Saquon. And uh, McCaffrey don't have, and Connor didn't have at first, but probably does now. Although we'll get to that later.
2: Yeah, either way, I guess I buy your argument that Gurley's workload was legitimately superior. So, yeah, I mean, for Hassan and I, it's the injury concern for Gurley. And then I guess maybe we're slightly overrating Melvin Gordon. I don't know. Let's, let's move along. Who do we have next, Blair?
3: Uh, well, we could talk uh, James Conner, who we just mentioned. He's somebody that you guys are pretty low on. I have him at number six. Looks like uh, Hassan, you have him at 10. And Ben, you have him at 11. Um, so, I mean, he's someone who averaged 21 points a game last season. We know that the Steelers like to have... Uh, bell cow or at least they have the last few years even when they had d'angelo and you know backing up Le'Veon on bell and when bell decided not to play they gave the exact same role to connor so i guess um my question is what reason do we think that they wouldn't continue doing that with connor hassan
4: i don't think they have a pretty good reason for why they wouldn't continue doing that with connor i just thought that this again becomes a one pretty big tier for me so like you could legitimately swap any of these names around I think Connor represents the end of the actual tier because of the you know the fact that he gets that receiving work and rushing work and he plays in a good offense so you'll see a lot of red zone work so like you could swap any of the names around and I'd be like hey sure that looks totally fine to me I (laughs) don't know I don't RBs don't matter right and so like I don't see why I should be pushing Connor up ahead of some of the guys that have him ahead of, but you know, I, I could be, you know, if you were to like make a fairly good case, I could probably push him up above Joe Mixon, you know, for example, or like any of the other guys, but like, I just really can't. I mean, part of it also is James Connor is a guy who I wrote about for the root of his writing contest in 2017. Uh, I called him a three down bell back at the time. And, uh, uh, It was, you know, one of the pieces that actually got me uh, a gig over here. I did not win. John Lipinski won for a phenomenal piece. Uh, I I really hope that we could, uh, uh, like, and, and, you know, just reading John's work, you can tell that he was just, his leaps and bounds, a better analyst and writer. Uh, But um, as as far as, like, the the James Conner stuff goes, you know, He is absolutely the street on Balcott back. I think we might be overrating Jalen Samuels a little bit uh, because Benny Snell probably represents more of a bit of a a threat towards Conner's rushing workload if they were to ever decide to split or if Conner were to go down and they were to miss time. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think either in the box score scout, I think either Conner is one of Snell's closest comps or maybe vice versa or probably both i think uh, it's
4: yeah no Be- uh, connor is one of snell's closest comps
3: yeah yeah so they're they're going after a type it would seem you know uh snell was and, insanely and productive in college what's that yeah
4: bell was actually one of connor's closest comps in the boss score scout
3: oh really yeah so yeah, there you go. That,
4: yeah that's yeah that's kind of where where, where i wrote up like that's what called my eye with connor
3: yeah these big super productive college running backs who are not don't have really good uh tested speed at the combine but um so you know it's just, i guess exactly the sort of situation and no you real expect... college
4: receptions like, yeah, like none of the, like bell didn't have any receptions either coming out like yeah. the, the question with bell was could he catch mm. and the same question was with james Conner, could he catch
3: right yeah right
4: well you know, I mean, the answer to both of those questions has been, yes, uh, overwhelmingly. <laughs> so.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. You, so. you
4: guys aren't scared
2: that they're not as committed to Connors. They might have been with Bell, really. Like
4: Bell was also like a later pick, wasn't he?
2: Can
3: Second round. Yeah. Second round. But... Um, oh. Well, yeah, that's been kind of the buzz going around that um, we should not expect what they've been doing with Bell the last three years to just continue with Connor, even though it did last year. But So I think the burden of proof is on the people who think that it wouldn't, I guess. I mean, it's a pretty unusual situation in terms of running back usage in the NFL, certainly, but it's what the team has done for the past several years, even when Bell was not the running back um, in the game or even when he was not active.
2: How do we think the offense will change without a B though? Like maybe they expanded a bit or just decide to do some different things and we don't see the same humming Steelers offense that we've seen the past couple of years.
3: That's a good question. Um, well, I yeah. guess,
2: I guess my point is that I think that if it was ever going, if they were ever going to change their tendency, it seems like it could be this year. That's kind of my thinking. But ma- maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Connor should get moved up a little bit. You're definitely making me think on that one.
4: But I don't know who to put him ahead of. Like that's like that's the thing. Like 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 I mentioned that James Connor represents the end of a tier. It's just when you look at these like top nine guys, who should move him ahead of? Maybe Joe Mixon.
3: Yeah, I guess we can move on to uh, Mixon You guys both have him a little higher than I do So, yeah, what puzzles me about Mixon, I guess, is that Like, obviously, he's been playing for a pretty bad team Over the last couple years And he had a lot of talent coming out of college But we haven't really seen him him do anything in the NFL So I guess what's making you guys so hopeful That he's going to kind of turn it on now
2: well the thing I like about Mixon is that he's
3: 22 years
2: old still so that's kind of what helps give him a pass for me from the production standpoint that plus the Bengals offense not being too hot but I mean he still scored 18 PPR points per game last season and i do think they're gonna <clears throat> continue to use him in a bell cow-esque role i think that the guys they drafted are just to, will just steal a little bit of receiving work and they're kind of the Gio bernard replacements i don't see them endangering mixon's workload year over year and he's a 22 almost 23 um year old back great prospect who's going to have an elite workload so kind of simple formula for me the Bengals' offense was actually pretty good the first half of last year before they totally imploded so i do think that that's less of a concern than um, might be in prior years
4: yeah i'm i'm with ben i i think that there is like enough evidence that like the Bengals just want to force Joe Mixon into that bell cow role whether he's like whether he should be in one or it should, isn't in one is like irrelevant to like the is not germane to the discussion at hand Um, what what makes it interesting is that the guy who they drafted was it Rodney Anderson Blair could you correct me if I'm wrong
3: well they drafted Travion Williams and then I think they added or no then they drafted Rodney Anderson the next round or something
4: <laughs> oh okay correct. Wow. I forgot about Chevion. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because like those are two other guys who could be things uh, or like other <laughs> other 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 good RBs yeah. in this in this uh, draft class. So that's something to monitor. Actually, but
2: I don't think they're good enough that they legitimately threaten Nixon from a talent standpoint. Like, yeah, they might have been the better some of the better backs in this class, but I think that independent of the running back situation uh, like the running back land, the rookie running back landscape this year. I don't think they're particularly threatening on the scale for like a full time starter job. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my perspective on Williams and Anderson. So, cause that was a concern of course, when I was going through my rankings and reviewing the Bengals draft, but like, I just feel, I feel like they're, on the back burners for uh, as Mixon's backups and the Gio Bernard replacement,
4: well, I think the draft cost was cheap enough, but like both of them is a bit of an issue,
3: yeah, it's weird that they would draft two running backs, especially I mean Rodney Anderson has been injured seems like almost his entire college career, but When he's been healthy, he's looked pretty good. And has been someone who I think everyone thinks has a lot of upside. So, um, it could be just, he's like a dart throw at the right cost. You don't really know what you're getting from him, but, um, he could turn out to be amazing, but yeah, it's, I guess, worrisome if they really believe in Mixon that they're taking two running backs in one draft, um, You know, Williams actually was somebody who I was kind of high on going in. He didn't have the best combine, but he was insanely productive and, uh, yeah, someone I hoped would land somewhere a little better, probably be drafted a little higher. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, disappointed where he landed and how, you know, how late he was drafted, but I think... I don't think we should ignore that the Bengals drafted two running backs in this draft. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I guess has me low on Mixon. The other thing, he's never, I mean, in his first season, he was below, below expectation in terms of rushing. Last season, he was below expectation in terms of receiving. So, you know, in kind of both phases of the game, he's shown that he's maybe not that much better than a replacement level running back he's actually been a liability in a way so um there are a couple different factors here and then also he's another player who i don't want to root for so i'm not going to own anywhere
2: <laughs> yeah i'd love an excuse to move Mixon down too so well i just gave you two great <laughs> maybe ones, i'll so look at you that go. yeah <laughs>
3: all right um let's see next guy that i think there's a big difference between our rankings. Is Nick Chubb, who you have ranked Hassan at eleven, Ben, you have him at fourteen, and I have him at sixteen. So, uh, Hassan, why don't you say tell us why we're too low on Chubb?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily the uh, the receiving volume for him, which is not particularly great. Uh, what I do, what I am interested in, is the fact that. Uh, he should be seeing a lot of high leverage work. I also don't know what they're going to be doing with Kareem Hunt or um, Duke Johnson. I believe your rankings might be lower than mine because you perceive Kareem Hunt forcing some kind of timeshare in this this backfield. I don't know if the Browns would actually trade him. Uh, I often believe that they probably would. Um, So that will be interesting uh, because uh, that's kind of what need what would need to happen to justify this nick chubb rank you know what i mean
3: mm-hmm. wait
4: what do you mean i'm confused on you, your comment about trading somebody oh on trading kareem hunt not not just somebody yeah like, they, like they'd have to trade hunt because that would mean that you don't have a player like hunt who's probably as talented as as nick chubb stealing away actual work from right i that's i mean that's the
2: biggest reason for me why you've being low on low? chubb is yeah I, Kareem hunts quite a good football player and I think he'll get the ball. I don't think he'll just get a couple passing game work touches per game. Like they
4: Yeah, but but my, but my point is that that won't, like he won't be getting that work for the Browns. Like I think the Browns might actually just trade him. Like there's no penalty to them just putting him on commissioner example scaring the cost and then trading him for future assets when the time is right. Like yeah. like, there, like there's no bump,
2: when you able to come off it. I'll bump Chubb up if that happens, but I think they're going to use Hunt. Uh, that's the signal that I think I'm reading now. Blair, what do you think?
3: Well, I mean, they didn't have Kareem Hunt last year, and they still didn't really use Chubb in the passing game. And they've added Odell Beckham. Um, I'm still hoping that they'll try and get Duke Johnson more involved in the passing game. So I think. There are probably fewer targets to go around and Nick Chubb didn't have a really good chance of getting a lot of those to begin with and Kareem Hunt kind of just muddies things. I actually have Duke Johnson ranked higher than Hunt. I'm not really, it's not that I don't believe in Hunt, but I kind of don't, I think there's a lot of uncertainty with his situation, kind of as Hassan alluded to, but also any sort of disciplinary thing that the NFL might do, I think we still don't know everything that's going on with that but um yeah so in any case i think i'd have Chubb this low regardless of whether they had hunt or not and it's mostly because he's kind of a one dimensional player yeah Um,
4: that's that that that's the thing that's what i'm kind of worried about maybe i'm a little bit too aggressive on Chubb because i think this offense is going to spend a lot of time in in the red zone in opposing red zone so he should see the high leverage looks but uh, yeah you know it's pretty it's a pretty fragile ranking he could like end up tumbling way down
3: all right let's talk about the next guy that we have a huge difference on i have damian williams ranked as the 14th running back you guys both have him in the 20s ben at 21 and hassan at 27 um so i guess i'll say what i'm thinking about williams uh i mean obviously when Kareem Hunt, after he was let go, Williams took over that exact role and was basically just as good as Hunt was, just as efficient. And, uh, I, you know, there's, there was obviously some concern that they would try and add some running backs in the draft. They did draft Darwin Thompson, who I actually like a lot, but I don't think that his addition is enough to make me move Damian Williams down that much, considering just what he did in in uh the second half of the season last year he's
2: 26 ppr points per game
3: yeah exactly he's got just an insane amount of upside and um uh, you know i think they probably brought in darwin thompson to be uh right to back him up to be change of pace that's kind of how i'm seeing the situation but i mean if you guys are seeing it differently then definitely tell me I
2: agree with you on his upside, for sure. I completely agree. I have him ranked, what do I have him at, 21? Yeah, so I have Damian Williams at 21, and I'd definitely be interested in acquiring him at the correct price around there, for sure. Um, We just saw his upside. He scored 26 PPR points per game. That's insane. Like, unbelievable. And I think the... But, like, the, the... downside to him is that his downside is zero (laughs) like he they have he could stink for a couple games and that could be it i I doubt that happens that's why i'm interested in him and despite the fact that the team basically has zero commitment to him outside of this initial opportunity that i do have him ranked in as a dynasty running back to um it's just because that upside is so high, uh, so that, that's how he ends up there. For me, he's gonna smash as long as he's competent, and I think that'll happen for a little bit. But realistically, it could not happen, and he could be completely toast. The other thing is that player like Damian Williams isn't really protected in the case of injury. Even minor injury can totally tank his. Value, really, because like I said, they don't have a super big commitment to him to any extent. So like if he misses a couple games for whatever random running back injury happens dinged up and then somebody else steps in and likely can also produce an amazing clip in this awesome Chiefs offense, you could see Damian Williams lose his role and that's it. So. That's my perspective on him. Hassan, tell me why you're so low on him.
4: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same bat boat. Like he probably is fine for this year. I don't know if he'll be fine for next year. You know what I mean? Like and I think that that's sort of where my hesitancy in the ranking him more aggressively is coming. I'm pr- I'm more aggressive on him in redraft than I am in Dynasty. Oh, totally agree. Like 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 that's per- that's probably it. That's why I'm like more conservative with his Dino rank. Yeah, so Blair, do you have
2: no, like, tell me about Damian Williams' value after this year. Since you haven't ranked at 14, you must have some perspective on his value after this season.
3: Yeah, well, I think, um, he's someone who's always been a little bit undervalued in the uh league, undervalued when he was coming out and went undrafted. Um, so Uh, Yeah, he's got the athleticism, I think just the kind of vote of confidence that the Chiefs gave him by not adding anyone in free agency and then not drafting any running backs until the sixth round. I think that's pretty huge and says that at least they view him as the solution at running back for the foreseeable future. So um, I'm kind of just going off of, you know, the signals that they're giving us. I mean, before the draft, he was, I think he had a lot more risks and he was somebody I was definitely not acquiring and in fact um trying to sell in places that I owned him while well, his price was still uh relatively high but I mean after the draft and they've made basically no significant moves besides Darwin Thompson um yeah I'm I'm back in buying I think and I think his his uh value will probably go up um yeah and in terms of next year Yeah, I don't have any concerns. I mean, if he can have the same kind of production he did at the end of last year, then obviously there would be no kind of concerns and you would see him probably end up being, I don't know, a top five dynasty running back. So, um, you know, the upside is huge. I mean, if he gets 26 points a game.
2: (laughs) So how many weeks will Damian Williams have to be awesome before his public dynasty value legitimately increases. Mm. Does he have to do it the entire year? Like how long until you get return on that investment in terms of public value?
3: I don't know. He wouldn't have to do it the entire year, I don't think. Um, I don't know. if I mean, if he's as good as he was at the end of last year for the next you know, for the first four weeks or something, I think you could probably look to sell him then. I mean, he is 27. So there's a cap on, you know, on his dynasty value from that perspective, probably keeps him from actually being like a number one asset, even if he does score 26 points a game. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think I would expect his dynasty value to go up basically starting now, as soon as, everyone realizes that the Chiefs are behind him and uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't make any moves to try to replace him. So,
2: yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I, mean, I
3: think we agree on the upside and I just see a lot less risk here than you guys seem to, or at least I do now after the draft. But what about ne- after next year's draft?
2: Yeah, I think that we agree that, we, like Asana, I said, we love it. We like him in redraft. We totally see it for this year. But I think we're both scared of if his value will legitimately increase if he does perform this year. So I guess that's just the point we disagree on, which is fair.
4: Well, I mean, if the
3: Chiefs were worried about that, like if they thought that he wasn't going to be the long-term solution, I mean, obviously you can argue that they didn't see the value in any of the back's, in this draft class but they could have added someone in free agency there were a lot of quality backs in free agency tevin coleman was rumored as someone who could go to the chiefs and they did not make a move to acquire him have you him, seen so. their
4: cap situation <laughs>
3: all right well fair
4: like like they're, like they're not really in a position to add via free agency they're they really going to go through the draft uh and then we knew this was going to be a poor skill player draft yeah. Next year is supposed to be more robust. And I think that that's going to be the the more telling thing. I think a lot of Damian Williams' value comes in the short term.
3: All right. so <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damian Williams is just putting you to sleep, I guess.
4: No, this draft. Like the, some here. of the landing spots were putting me to sleep. I yeah, really right. wanted someone to go to Steve's.
3: What I mean, about, the Chiefs did not have a. They didn't have any picks in the fourth or fifth round, so they would have had to spend a second or third round pick on a running back if they wanted to use some draft capital. At I mean, they back.
2: signed they signed Carlos Hyde.
3: Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. But I mean, what, I don't
4: it's know. also like, yeah. I mean, it's Carlos Hyde is like, uh, He was cut
3: that. midseason with the Browns.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right, and but it, he's uh, yeah. And I don't know. He's the a body. the Jags. Well, like, and then the Jags had like an empty like RB room and they were like, get out of here. Go <laughs> is, away. Da-
2: is Damian Williams more than a body? He's just a body in a Chiefs uniform.
3: Well, he's yeah, a body but... who scores 26 fantasy points a game. So,
2: you, Carlos Hyde can't. Okay. No. What Can Carlos Hyde do that?
3: Tell me. No. No, he can't. No. They tried to yeah. make him do that in San Francisco and he failed.
4: <laughs> they brought him into like Cleveland to do that and like,
3: that wasn't happening.
4: Uh, then he had his chance to do it in Jacksonville and that didn't happen. Yeah. Well,
3: I don't know. Maybe I'm underrating the risk here, but i um, I think what I was basically waiting for was the chiefs to add a high, high leverage, high draft pick, uh, running back and they didn't. So, um, good news from my perspective. All right. Anything else to say about Damian Williams? Cause we, I think we made our points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. The next guy that we have some disagreement on is Philip Lindsay. Um, Hassan, you
2: you are just wrong on Philip Lindsay here. <laughs> Philip Lindsay is the man. Oh, <laughs> he is, he is 15, the man. He is fifteenth in my dynasty rankings, and for good reason. Hassan, name the list of running backs who had more fantasy points. Over expectation than Philip Lindsay last year. There probably
4: aren't very many. Zero. Yeah, there you go. Rushing Which also fantasy makes points, sense. right?
3: What? Rushing fantasy points, right? Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah like, so what? Does it, does it make you nervous? Like rushing fantasy like points over expected is like not particularly sticky. It's also and, predictive of future for success for the running back
3: position. Yeah, but, but like
4: but like when, when Lindsay didn't play, Royce Freeman was just as fine. I think which is where which is why like my Royce Freeman rankings more aggressive than either of yours, which is why my Lindsey rankings lower than either of yours. Like as far as Denver's backfield is concerned, this is like a two man backfield. And like Lindsey should ostensibly be the woodhead in this in this um offense. I mean like it's really hard to like put Royce Freeman as anything more than just a grinder. But they also didn't really use Lindsay as much as a receiving back. They just used him as a smaller grinder. That was a weird thing. He really is like a phenomenal talent. It's just the fact that like Denver doesn't throw much to the RBs at all, and that's what makes me more nervous on either of these players returning kind of the kind of value. Wait, Blair? No, the. Stat I cited was actually
2: overall fantasy points over expectation, not just
3: rushing. He's number one in that. Yes. Wow. Blair, this is from your article. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of rookies, he was probably the number one rookie. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, obviously, it must be true if I wrote it, Um, but (laughs) surprising because I'm looking at him having zero. Receiving fantasy points over expectation, so uh, yeah, he was obviously <laughs> awesome as a rusher, but kind of, kind of, you know, not a zero as a receiver, but it only did exactly what you would expect him to do.
4: I mean, I mean, for rookies, is that what you're saying? That's because yes, I right. because the guy who led in like rushing fantasy points over expectation last year, uh, this is per game. Let me Bradley change it to per season. <laughs> it was Valvin Gordon. The point yeah. is, he no, it was, was actually a well, it, it was, it is Melvin Gordon,
3: but in total fantasy points over expectation for a rookie, that was that was Lindsay. Oh, that that, yeah, that's Lindsay.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like has yes. got like the yeah, better than most- Saquon,
3: better than Nick Chubb, yeah. right? Yeah, yes, Lindsay, that I believe.
4: Lindsay, Lindsay's better than everybody. Even Alvin Kamara. Like, like there <laughs> the are only three backs who aren't better than him in rushing fantasy points over expectation, and those are Aaron Jones, Targaryen, and Melvin Gordon. He did post a negative receiving fantasy points over expectation, if you want to talk about that. but
3: yeah, I have that at zero on a per-game basis through Week 16. Yeah, but, it's, but it's, it's like negative that. 0.3 okay, on, like, yeah. on,
4: like...
2: I just... I don't see... Like, are they going to give... Royce a ton of work like Lindsay had 60% of the carries for the second half of the, the season that's pretty good I mean that's not total workhorse role but do you think that goes down I really don't like why why would it go go down in my opinion his targets increased he had target totals of five seven and six in three of the last five games like they they're going to use him and he's really good. His we know he's a road of his darling with his workhorse backgrounds, that type of thing. And we saw it and I think it will happen again. I don't see, I don't see why it won't. Lots of the predictive things suggest that he's going to continue to be really good. So I, I mean, I get I'm a little aggressive here, but that's how I feel.
3: I mean, the other thing is that probably Joe Flacco is a little bit more of a checkdown guy than Case Keenum is. So there's some reason to think that his targets could increase. Um, you know, Freeman had, what, less than one target per game in the games he played in. So I don't think he's really a threat to steal Lindsay's. the little work he did have in the receiving game. It was just Devontae Booker, and we right. really
2: think... Like, are they really going to just keep running out Devontae Booker? I feel like that's Lindsey's to take. I
3: I mean, maybe they will, but... Yeah, they did last year, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess the... I think there is some risk because Freeman was someone who looked like... I mean, he was a really good prospect coming out of college and somebody who looked like he should have been able to uh, command a lot more work and perform a lot better with it, so... If you're thinking he takes a step forward in year two, if you were high on him coming out of college, then I think there's, there are good reasons to think that he is probably better than what we saw last year. So that, I think, would be the main reason to kind of um, hedge your bets on Lindsey a little bit, just that Freeman is probably a lot better than than the way he looked uh, in his rookie season and should probably improve.
2: Moving on, it looks like we're all a little bit high on Devonte Freeman here. Blair, you have him at 21st. I have him at 17th, and Hassan at 19th. And I think that's slightly higher than ADP. So, Hassan, why don't you
4: tell us why we should have Freeman as high as we do? I mean, they paid him a lot of money. He's going to be coming back healthy. Uh- I don't think Edo Smith sees a lot of work, even if, like, Freeman were to go down. I think this is sort of Freeman's backfield to go, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, until we see Atlanta actually put money into acquiring an early-ish round RB. Uh, will that happen next year? I don't think so, actually. So that's sort of why I'm more aggressive on Freeman. Plus, if, you know, spend a lot of capital on a couple of guards. Uh, they clearly wanted to be run first. Now, what tanks all this? is uh, if Ito Smith uh, steals more receiving work than we think he would, and uh, Freeman's used more as a through-the-tackles kind of guy, that also, that'll tank his value. Second is if he's actually fully dust as far as his legs go, in which case he's also going to be completely destroyed. (laughs) That would be bad. (laughs) Yeah, he could be. He could be. I mean, mean, we don't, uh, everyone sort of uh, quote-unquote knew that his knees were bad. He was going to end up, Uh, Getting knee You know having to get surgery done on his knees So uh, maybe Maybe his knees are dust
3: Yeah I mean I think you know one of the most frustrating things About the last few Years but especially last year Has been being a Tevin Coleman owner And last year it was Just they were They seemed to be either not passing To the running backs at all or when they did Prioritizing Edo Smith over Coleman and uh, now Coleman's gone, and I think rather than owning, well, Coleman's gone, so that should help Freeman get some uh, more opportunity, obviously. But the reason I'm probably lower on him than you guys is I think that now he's the one that uh, his owners are going to be frustrated by Ido Smith. So I'm, I am I don't know where you guys have Ito ranked, but I would guess I'm higher on him than you.
4: Yeah, that probably explains why you'd be lower on Devante than us.
3: Right. All right. The other guy who uh, we have sort of, (laughs) well, I mean, you guys are egregiously low on, especially Ben, is Tariq Cohen. I have him at 15. Ben, you're all the way down at 30. And Hassan, you have him at 22. Uh, So, Ben, why are you so low on Cohen?
2: I just don't know if it's replicable. For him to be honest I know it's the kind of cliche argument but he doesn't have any rushing usage really like next to none and he just he has to have that pretty high he has to sustain that very high target volume in the running back position to have value and I don't really I'm not convinced that year over year that's going to be a thing. I don't think he has the rushing upside to really push him into a higher tier. I agree that I might be a tad too low on him. Like Some guys who potentially could break into a workhorse role but who will likely score fewer points and likely on a median outcome have lower output than Cohen. I do have above Cohen because I think they have higher upside than Cohen. But, yeah, I mean, Blair, do you think that Cohen has top 12 PPR running back upside? I guess you must since you have him (laughs) all the way up at 15.
3: Yeah, I absolutely do. Uh, I mean, he has the sort of profile that we've seen give guys like Kamara and McCaffrey, you know, top top 10 uh seasons with where you're not necessarily getting a lot of carries but if you can get up to a hundred targets as a running back that could be huge so uh he had 86 last year um there might not be a lot of room for that to grow but uh i'm <laughs> I'm hopeful
2: yeah like do you do you think he's going to improve on the prior season really i guess that that's kind of my take on him too is that he produced pretty well last year for sure but I'm not sure that there's room to grow from that.
3: Why do you think that can grow? Um, well, that's a, yeah, that's fair. I mean, they brought in Mike Davis, obviously, and drafted Dave Montgomery, um, pretty highly. So there are, uh, reasons. And those guys
2: can catch the ball. Those guys aren't Jordan, Jordan Howard. They can (laughs) be viable in the passing game too.
3: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. um, yeah, I mean those are all risks. That's why I probably don't have him any higher than, than where I do. Um, I just think his, his talent is, um, is better than those guys. So I'm uh, it's a bet on talent situation for me. But um, yeah, it's hard to see his workload growing. I probably am a little too aggressive with this ranking. Might move him down. Um, you know, on the other hand. He's shown that he's been incredibly efficient with his receiving workload and his rushing workload for that matter. So
2: Yeah, I just feel like it's a, certainly a bet on improved efficiency because like you weren't really able to say why
3: his <laughs> volume
2: would <laughs> increase. So like I feel like I feel like the best case scenario would be that he does what he did last season. He finished his RB fifteen. That's great. Like super helpful. <laughs> fantasy asset but yeah I don't see where the increase in volume comes from since they brought in two running backs who can actually catch the ball not that they'll take like not that they'll replace Cohen or anything but you know two fewer targets a game obviously makes a huge difference Uh, and I don't see his rushing attempts growing either so yeah Hassan what do you think
4: yeah I mean I mean Cohen's like genuinely I think I'm I'm kind of mixed. I've got him right next to David Montgomery. Like, just back to back, I didn't know what to do with these two guys. And I probably am higher on Mike Davis than either of you guys. But, you know, just looking over at our friends over on Profiler there profiler.com like Cohen was number one in their, in their production premium metric which is an interesting way of uh of looking at a player's production over like you know league neutral situations he was number two in breakaway run rate he you know was number three in yards per touch he was like number six in receptions he barely dropped any balls, as evidenced by like the fact that he dropped like only two i believe like or like 0.1 per like game you know he was like sixth in targets and, uh, you know, and he, he just sort of smashed as like in that third down ish role. Actually, uh, fun fact, um, I wrote up uh, Tariq Cohen from playerprofiler.com like all those years ago. Uh, as a guy who you should be uh, stashing on your dynasty league alongside D'Angelo Henderson and Donnell Promfrey. Uh one in three is actually not particularly bad. The interesting thing about about Tariq Cohen though is that he didn't really <laughs> yes. he he didn't really mash the 40. He ran like a four point four two forty. Um and like he's not exactly like you know all that like it's, it's like 4.42 is pretty impressive don't get me wrong but like it's not he's not at like, the kind of like blazing speed guy you would think but what makes him really interesting if you're looking at his player profiler page or even looking u- utilizing the uh, player profiler data analysis tool is you can just see how he fares i mean like the guy is a big threat, and he doesn't, and Chicago uses him pretty intelligently, they don't run him into stack boxes, right? He's like number two in light light front carry rate, and he's number two in shotgun carry rate. And so there's no reason for him to not really continue seeing that kind of usage. I don't know if there's going to be increased usage, so it'd be difficult to bank on him offsetting reduced efficiency with volume, which is where my ranking for him uh, comes in. Blair, do you, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, yeah, obviously, I agree with all those reasons to be enthusiastic. Those were great polls on those player profiler stats. And, uh, you know, they're a site that we obviously have a lot in common with. We share a lot of the same ideas. And uh, actually, we've really embraced that this season. As you mentioned, Hassan, a bunch of Rotoviz writers actually work on both sites. And this season, our writing team is actually going to be writing the majority of the content in their world-famous draft kit picking up where Ben Gretsch left off last year. So we're doing this year all the team previews that feature all the signature trends, strength of schedule grades, game script, pace of play data, scoring rates, vacated touches and targets, all to provide a window into each team's run game and pass game trajectory, kind of to see uh, where they're going this year, what what we can expect for them going forward into 2019. Uh, So yeah, it's the first draft kit that we as a team have put together, Roto Wonderworld, Player Profiler, and Rotoviz all together have uh, put together. Comes out in about a month. Between now and then, FanDuel is actually giving away giving away the draft kit to anyone who pre-orders and spends $10 on DFS contests this offseason. Doesn't matter what sport, golf, NASCAR, NBA, whatever. So they're really making it a no-brainer to get the draft kit this year. Uh, you can go to fantasy-draftkit.com and there's a video outlining all the features. So definitely be sure to check that out. Really proud of the work that all our writers are doing on that draft kit. Again, that's fantasy-draftkit.com. All right, moving on to the next guy. This Seattle backfield is a tricky one to figure out. Um, I, we all have Rashad Penny at 25th, but we have way different ranks on Chris Carson. I have him all the way down at 40th. Uh, you are at 26 Ben and Hassan, you am at 23rd. So I think uh, Hassan, you're the only one that ranked Carson ahead of Penny. So what's the reason for that?
4: Uh, I mean, he held him off last year and there's no <laughs> reason to believe he won't hold him off again this year. <laughs> I mean, like there's a very real possibility that there's a miscommunication between the front office and the coaching staff, as far as it comes down to Rashad Penny. And, if that's the case, that dude's dead. He's not going to overtake whoever Carroll wants to put in there. And that's pretty much it. I mean, like, <laughs> Penny ran behind Mike Davis last year. Mike Davis is gone. What are you going to do if Penny runs behind uh, J.D. McKissick this year?
3: Yeah, but that's... I don't think that's
4: going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, people said, like, last year he wasn't going to run behind Chris Carson, and then he did. Like I mean I mean like like people were very But Chris sure, Carson's pretty good. Well people were very sure that it didn't matter if Chris Carson was good, Rashad Penny was better. Like that's that's where this entire like discussion comes comes from because last year when Chris Carson was hurt, it wasn't Rashad Penny, it was Mike Davis who took over.
3: It's fair. Yeah. I I definitely am probably too low on Chris Carson. I was really high on Penny as a prospect, so uh, there's a little bit of that bias probably creeping into my rankings here. I'm also was really high on Travis Homer this year, who they drafted in the sixth round, which basically like the worst landing spot for him. So, <laughs> well, yeah. well,
4: we don't know that because what if he runs ahead of Rashad Benny? Like, <laughs> Rashad <laughs> Benny could just be a bad first round pick.
3: Uh, fair point. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I gotta bump Travis Homer things, up in my rankings.
2: So like on a on a per attempt basis, Penny and Carson had basically the same fantasy points over expectation. Like they were very, very similar in terms of production last year. So I think that Penny, given that he was a first year rookie, produced over expectation. Great profile, etc. Tons of reasons to like him heading into last year. You'd expect that to. You'd expect. Penny's efficiency to improve, whereas Carson, I'm not sure there's any signal that his efficiency would improve. So, you know, they produced the same clip last year. We're kind of close to splitting by the end, I guess, maybe. That's probably not true. Carson was still ahead by a little bit. But I think that Penny can certainly take the reins if he is to improve by a bit and I think I think the upside is higher with penny really like both the both Carson and penny can be startable Assets in fantasy given the timeshare like obviously nothing impressive but I think that there is a more likely outcome that penny breaks out in a fantastic way to own the backfield at like a 65 percent share split that type of thing and i think that can make him super valuable whereas i'm not i don't really think that's in carson's range of outcomes which is why i have penny only a spot ahead of chris carson
3: yeah i mean you know seattle likes to talk about how their uh meritocracy which i don't know if that's true but um you know if you're gonna bet on talent then it seems like seattle would be the place to do it just based on their own sort of self reporting and Penny was one of our favorite running backs in a really strong class last year. Chris Carson got benched for uh Justice Hill who was I mean again one of our favorite backs, at least one of my favorite backs, but in a pretty weak class and somebody who ended up going in only the third round and uh has a bunch of red flags. Um well at least now he does because of his landing spot, but um so yeah, I mean for me it's Kind of believing in Rashad Penny's talent a lot more than Carson's and expecting him to eventually take over the lead role.
4: Rashad Penny Rashad Penny couldn't beat out Danelle Pomfrey who doesn't have a job. <laughs> fair. That's fair. One of the three guys that wrote about for playerprofiler dot com.
3: <laughs> Get their draft kit.
4: Our uh, draft kit. yeah, but uh but uh you know, hit on Tariq Cohen. And missed on D'Angelo Henderson and uh, <laughs> Daniel Pumphrey. Pumphrey was the guy who had like all that gaudy production. I mean, like his production kind of mirrored that of uh, another San Diego State running back, uh, Rashad Benny. <laughs> right, do, do, uh, do we have any more we'd like to get to? What? How about uh, where are you guys at on Miles Sanders? I got him at, like, 28, just, like, ahead of, like, Tevin Coleman, Derrick Henry, a bunch of the other guys. Like, I think I think Miles Sanders in, like, Philly's going to be interesting. It's a crowded-ish RB room. He should definitely be ahead of a lot of the other guys uh, they have. I mean, most of the guys that they have are at least low, low draft capital. So it's really interesting watching the Eagles actually spend draft capital at the end of the second round on a running back because uh, they're a team who is decidedly uh, running backs do not matter type of guys
3: yeah that's the only thing that's really keeping me from ranking sanders higher is that even though they did spend this draft capital you know they also brought in jordan howard this season Uh, for like a future sixth well yeah sure fair but i mean everything is shaping up for it to be another committee or another you know at least three-headed committee maybe more um i have sanders as my second ranked rookie running back right now i have him actually ahead of david montgomery which maybe it makes me the odd man out here but um i you know it's still i'm still I'm lower on him than either of you guys are just because i don't expect him to necessarily run away with that job i don't think that Philadelphia wants to have a running back in that kind of role uh, but i could be wrong maybe well, that's if- why they're drafting somebody like Sanders to sort of give them that optionality where they can put him in the game and do a lot of different things so i could be wrong yeah yeah
2: i mean i'm the highest out of us three and i mean everything you guys just said is true but i mean my perspective is pretty basic like what if what if he's really good <laughs> like, like it sounds dumb but like
3: no, what, yeah. what?
2: what what he's really good and they like what like who's he competing with like he has the he has the opportunity in the passing game, too, which is significant, and why I like him more than David Montgomery. Like, I um, just because he does have a route to own that passing game usage, especially in a good offense like Philadelphia's. And, you know, he could show up, he could be really good, and he could own the backfield. Like, it could totally happen. And so I think that lots of guys, um, you know, in this. 24 plus ranking range don't necessarily have either the talent upside or they're blocked harder than Sanders is, um, or they just have a tighter range of outcomes. Whereas it's like Sanders is a rookie, solid profile, um, that Rotoviz likes him. Like, just think he he could be really good. It's pretty
3: simple, (laughs) yeah. That's a fair point. I mean, he looked really good, and the only real knock against him as a prospect is that he didn't do anything for his first uh you know in his early career but of course that's easy to explain since he was playing behind Saquon Barkley who was the second overall pick last year so I mean yeah the Eagles spending a second round pick on him is a pretty strong signal so uh yeah I might not be giving him enough credit here um it's tough, though. I mean, we, you know, the Eagles have not shown really any desire, I guess, until now, maybe, to have a back in that sort of bell cow role. So, uh, it's something sort of unprecedented, at least in you know, as long as Doug Peterson's been there. So,
2: but isn't that true for Penny and Carson too? Who you have, you you know, you have Penny higher, but so, so why? Why do you think Penny has more opportunity than Sanders does?
3: I guess I'm thinking Seattle is looking for somebody to be Marshawn Lynch again. Back when they were in the Super Bowl, they want to get that's back. That's Russ to that. Wilson. What? Oh, that's Russ Wilson. Well, yeah. Who knows what yeah, Seattle's doing?
2: Like the thing is, has Philly had a running back who's like good enough that they'd want to put in that role? I mean, running back talent is a whole nother discussion, but theoretically, if Sanders is legitimately really good, which given his rookie profile, like it could happen, it's not, he's not a crazy prospect, but he's a good prospect and like it could happen. And he legitimately could be the best running back they've seen for a couple of years, right? Am I wrong?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. They haven't really had had anyone, I guess, that we would call good since uh, McCoy, maybe. Ajayi was not... I mean, they didn't have to spend a lot to get him, so don't exactly count him as somebody they invested a lot in.
4: Ajayi's looking for a job, too.
3: Yeah, right. All right. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, I think there's... You know, a lot of people are drafting one of these 49ers running backs pretty high, either McKinnon or Tevin Coleman. Breed is going quite a bit later, although I'm actually the highest on him out of the three. But uh, anyone in that backfield interest? Either of you guys? I
4: think Tevin Coleman, but that's about it. I mean, and then probably Matt Breed in that exact order.
3: No interest in McKinnon at all? I do have an interest in McKinnon, but, like, I
4: really was hoping he'd be doing what Jalen Hurd might be doing this year, which is where I'm a little worried.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jalen Hurd in our box score scout before we switched his position over to wide receiver, which is what he actually played uh, at Baylor. Uh, before that, his comps were like Camara and Saquon Barkley, and mostly that's just because of the all the receptions he <laughs> wrapped up. But uh, it was pretty interesting to see those comps pop up. Uh, but yeah, he's he's intriguing. Um, one guy we didn't touch on, who I kind of want to get your your guy's take on, is Leonard Fournette, and the reason I want to get a take on him is because I have Raquel Armstead ranked pretty high. Who no I. I'm with you. You were saying?
4: Well, I'm just (laughs)
3: saying, yeah, I think obviously there's some, you know, Fournette has been dealing with injuries kind of uh, his uh, whole career basically. And Yeldon came in last year in relief and was actually pretty good. So um he's obviously gone. They spent a fifth round pick on Armstead, which isn't a lot, but he's basically the only one they have behind Fournette. So I mean, is he someone we should be paying a lot of attention to given Fournette's injury history?
2: I think so. Maybe.
3: <laughs> like I'll tell you more... I currently have him as my tenth ranked rookie overall. Is that crazy? Holy moly! Yes, I think that's a lot. (laughs) But I, I think it's more just
2: fade Fournette. I'm not totally sure we know what will happen next. I don't think they spent enough draft capital, draft capital to like insinuate who the next guy up long term would be. Really, so I think I'm just fading Fournette. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, going along with that, I mean, Armstead is just insanely cheap. In fact, I was trying to draft him in a fanball, best ball draft the other day, and I couldn't even find him. Like, he's not even in their system. So going to have to tweet at fanball about that probably. But in any case, uh, anyone else we want to touch on before we get out of here?
2: Yes, we no. can say... I was going to say, why don't we like Sony Michel? I think we're significantly lower on him than
3: the public. Yeah, actually, Hassan, you have him quite a bit higher than either Ben or I do. We both have him at 22 and you have him at 16. So why, uh, why are you a little bit higher on him, I guess? He's someone who obviously was huge for the Patriots down the stretch and in the playoffs, but he doesn't catch passes, which is the main reason I have him this low. I'm totally agree.
4: lower on both James White and Rex Burkhead than you guys are. Like those guys are just going to cannibalize each other's volume. They're just and if they're leading, they're just going to run the the offense through Sony Michelle. This is a team that's like pretty much done that. Why? The, what do you mean why? Like that's just what <laughs> they've done. Like like it's like like both Burkhead and 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 Sony Michelle missed seven games last year. That's where James White came in. Like, he was the only healthy running back that they had on their roster. Uh, Jared Hill tore his ACL in, in, like, week one of preseason. I, I think, like, a lot of, like, James White's, like, appeal goes away very, very quickly when you recognize all of those factors. And I don't think a lot of people have paid close attention to, like, where the game logs or what the game logs look like when the rest of the guys are on the field. When this team leads by, like, seven-plus. They're totally comfortable handing off to Sony Michel, and that's where a lot of his volume comes in. And they and they're totally comfortable giving him a lot of volume in terms of red zone, and they're going to be in the red zone a lot.
2: James White had seventeen targets.
4: It does not matter. Why does
2: it not matter? Like, like, How does that again, not matter? All of this, like, shot zero. Like,
4: it, what week was that? That was against the Chargers in the divisional playoffs. Yeah, what seventeen targets? Seventeen targets. Like,
2: Jay, like Sonya is not going to catch any balls, and he produced below expectation.
4: I mean, are and you sure they, about that? Like, I mean, like people thought Melo Gordon couldn't count, couldn't catch, so he didn't. Like,
2: but they don't. Uh, yeah, but they removed Woodhead. Patriots have a million dudes who can catch balls, and they just drafted um, what's his name, Damien Williams. Yeah, yeah,
4: I mean, I don't think that's. Damon Damian Harris. That Damian probably hurts I that think probably hurts Rex Burkhead more than anyone else.
2: Why? Why would it not hurt Sonny Michelle?
4: I I really don't <laughs> understand. Like I, I really don't understand why it would hurt Sonny Michelle. Like like why why does Damien Harris's like um so then why wouldn't Rex Burkhead being healthy not end up hurting like James White like he did two years ago? I'm not arguing for. I'm not advocating
3: for
2: James White or Burkhead. I'm just advocating. I'm just opposing Sony Michelle's dynasty value.
4: Um, I think, I think if a lot of people like you guys are going to be lower on him, then I think that makes him like a buy. Like, if if the rest of the community is going to go full full fade on on Sony Michelle, then you're better off pivoting the other way and just like buying him for cheaper than he should actually be.
3: I guess what you're betting on, I mean, if you're buying is that his touchdown, you know, his touchdown equity holds up because there's not really any signals that he's going to catch more passes. <clears throat> and, you know,
4: sort of, sort Michelle. Yeah,
3: Michelle. Right. And I mean, bringing in Damian Harris in the third round, obviously it's kind of hard to know exactly what they're thinking with that pick, but he profiles as a, sort of a very similar back to Michelle. Um, You know, in terms of his size, and also he didn't catch a lot of passes in college either. Well, I mean, actually 52 over his career, but which is probably more than Michelle, but in any case. They also drafted Harry in the first round, which is the first time they've spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver since, I think, 1996. So there's kind of some signal that they maybe want to be throwing the ball more than they were towards the end of last season. Uh, So... Yeah, but it also probably means Gronk is dust, right? Like, well, like yes. Gronk's all, of the, Nikhil all of the Nikhil Harry, all the Nikhil
2: Harry.
4: Like, like, so it probably means Gronk is dust. And then, so what do they tell you about the rest of their wide receiver room? I don't.
3: It
2: tells know. me Nikhil Harry is
4: going to catch a lot of footballs <laughs> for the New England Patriots right, over the next yeah. ten years. So, so there's like two wide receivers they have in that like receiver rooms: Edelman and Nikhil Harry. And then they've got.
3: Can you James White
2: and Rex Burkhead and Damian uh, Harris to catch more balls than Sony
4: Michelle.
3: <laughs> so there you go. Harris well, yes, is probably yeah, going to yeah, get more targets me, than I Michelle. Mean, even
4: well, well, yes, but like again, th- th- we're, we're talking about touchdown equity, right?
3: Yeah.
4: I so, mean, like, who, it was Burkhead who, who having...
3: got the touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. No, he had one in the Super Bowl, right? But he had two in the in the. Uh, one of those playoff games whatever I don't remember you know they 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 give the ball in the end zone or near the end zone to other people besides Michelle so it's not impossible that someone would steal some of those red zone looks and I don't think there's much hope of Michelle getting any more targets than he did last year so it just doesn't look like a situation where his opportunity is going to improve in the way we want it to at least you know we want more running back targets so um, I don't know. I think there are a lot of risks with him, and he's really not likely to live up to his ADP.
4: But, but my point is that if everyone's going to be down on him, and his ADP won't remain where it is, then in which case it makes him a buy. Sure. Well, if his, yeah, maybe.
3: <laughs> if I mean, his, I think
4: no, because because right now we're dealing with like people not drafting particularly well. But if everyone follows the same logic that you just laid out we'll see a natural decline in his ADP, which eventually means that people are too low on Michelle. And therefore, you should be pivoting into this kid.
3: I think when that happens and his ADP drops below where I have him ranked, then I'll start buying. (laughs) Agree.
4: Right. But that's that's what you have to do, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that that you should go out and buy on my rank. I'm saying that you should wait for like a bargain to show up. And it sounds like eventually there should be one.
3: But it sounds like... Ben and I both want to wait longer than you do. And we are right <laughs> yeah, you Yeah, you, you
4: can go out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow.
4: Okay, so like, I'll, I'll chalk it to all you. Right, all right, all right. One win. like What's All it? the L's you took over the wide receiver. All right. Rank.
3: All right, fair enough. Give me this We're one. We're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's going to do it finally for this running back edition of the Fantasy Football Report Special thanks to our guest, Ben Battle. Find him on Twitter at Ben underscore Battle 3. Find Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HR5010. I'm at Am I the Real Blair. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, slash podcast.